0: come to Matthew's Gospel this morning as we celebrate the Advent and remember the Advent of Jesus Christ. Matthew uh, was a Jewish man who uh, loved the Lord, adored the Lord, came to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, By the time he wrote his Gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus, the salvation hope of Jesus, the the announcement of the resurrection of Jesus uh, had spread through much of the Roman Empire. Uh, through his church going hither and yon, uh, the, the, the pagans were coming to Jesus Christ. The, the Gentiles, uh, the polytheists, the hedonists, uh, all the, the broken and the hurting and, and the lost were coming to Jesus Christ. But the first people that came to Jesus Christ is, is following him as, as Christ, as Messiah, as Messiah King, as Lord, were, were the Jewish people. And uh, we, we recognized at the beginning of the church, you know, thousands and thousands of Jewish people turned to, turned to the Lord as their Messiah and began to follow him. Uh, and, and, and it went on from there for, for many decades. But by the time Matthew's gospel r- was written, there was a great animosity that had separated the, the Christians, uh, the, the, especially the Gentile church, from, from the Jewish church even. And, and there was animosity and struggle and strife. But a, a big chunk of the, the Jewish world that by the '70s, '80s, 90 AD, uh, they, they, they'd come to some conclusions that, that they didn't think Jesus was their Messiah. So when Matthew wrote his gospel, he's, he's writing as an evangelist. He, he's writing to his fellow Jewish believers. Uh, we might call them Messianic Jews today. He's writing to his, his fellow Jewish his, his lineage, his heritage, his people, writing to encourage them and, and tell them again why. Jesus is the Lord, why they should follow him, why, why, to, why they should stay faithful to him, even with many of their family members many of their communities, the Jewish communities rejecting Jesus. But his real heart was to win the Jewish people to Jesus Christ. And so his gospel is this, this long book, this long, uh, this long word about who Jesus is and why he came and why he's the Messiah, the Lord, that he should be followed. And, and so he's calling people to put their hope in Jesus Christ, calling people to put their trust in Jesus Christ. And to live for Him, no matter what. And uh, boy, studying this, some of the things that, from the Jewish perspective, that came out in His gospel, have just been mind-blowing and incredible. Talking about uh, His identity, and and so today we're talking uh, just in the, as John said. We only have a couple hours to spend together this morning. Um, uh, not really. Uh, uh, we we have some a short amount of time, but man, just the the compact nature, even even in the first part of Matthew's gospel. There's so much to talk about with Jesus. Uh, He wanted people to know that Jesus was their hope, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the hope of the world, their salvation. And and the message comes to you today as well. Is Jesus your hope? Is he your trust? Is he your Savior and Lord? If he's not, man, you're missing out and you're missing the boat because he is God's plan for the world, God's salvation, God's Christ. Chapter 1, Verse 1 of Matthew, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, and Rahab. Uh, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. You notice in the superscription there that there's three names that rise up. It says the, the, the Jesus Christ, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. And so uh, Matthew's really talking about the line of Jesus here. His, his, his genealogy, his genesis, his origins, his start. Uh, and he's got to prove that Jesus, if he's preaching to the Jewish people, that Jesus is the Christ. He's got to establish the line of Jesus. Uh, and, he, and he goes through here, verse 6, David, and, and the emphasis is on David the king. David the king. Uh, and, and boy, the, the hope of the Jewish people in the first century was in the promises to David the king. Uh, there's another section there from David the king. The genealogy goes from, from that point all the way down to the exile, the departure to Babylon. Babylon. We recognize that there was a, in the heritage of the Jewish people, the falling away from God, falling into sin, falling into, into desperate times, they're actually sent away from their land as a discipline of God. Much of the Old Testament, the prophecy is talking about when he's going to bring his people back, when he's going to save his people, he's going to establish his kingdom again. And, and so that, that, it's a real downtime, this, this center section. <clears throat> if you look at verse 12 an upward section again. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheotel, the Sheotiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Lizar, and Lizar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband Of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. I don't really know how long it was before uh, Christians started using Jesus Christ as kind of a name. For Jesus uh, became, uh, we see in the, in, the, in the epistles, he's called Christ Jesus, he's called Jesus Christ. It goes back and forth sometimes Jesus, sometimes uh, Christ as a name. But through Matthew's gospel, it's a title oftentimes. Most of the time it's a title. The Christ. The Christ. And for the Jewish people, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a massive statement, a massive calling, because their hope was in the coming of the Christ. Uh, Matthew spends so much time in this first section talking about establishing who Jesus was. And, and the way it's laid out, he, the, the genealogy of Jesus the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he's establishing from the beginning, from the start, that he's a true Jew. This line moving moving through history, moving through time. Jesus is a true Jew, but more than that, more important to Matthew is that he is a true son of David, a true uh, son of of Judah, of the tribe of Judah. Uh, There's so many interesting parts and fascinating parts about this genealogy. Uh, If you do some reading on this, it just goes in the depth. Really, uh, it's a selective genealogy. It's a selective history. There's more names in the lineage But like many genealogies in the Bible, it's a selective, like the authors write genealogies not to give a precise chronology of things. Most of the genealogies in the Bible leave out sections and portions because that's not their point to be as precise as we are with our historical records. he's He's making a theological point, and he does it in many ways. One of the most fascinating things that we don't understand a lot of is the numerology. Uh, the, the 14 generations, what's the big deal about the 14 generations? In Hebrew, the, David's number is 14, as it were. You know, there's, there's no vowels in Hebrew, so the, the DVD in, in our Anglic, anglicized kind of language, D is, is 4, V or W is, is 6, and D is 4. So David, four, 14. And so he's saying like an, an acrostic, David, one gener one section, David, a second generation. David, a third generation. It's just like this preaching, like, this is about David. More importantly, this is about the promises given to David. Again and again, these are the things that are coming out in, in who he is. He's saying, listen to me. At the end of the genealogy, at the end of God's covenant with Abraham, at the end of God's covenant with David, there stands this one named Jesus, the Christ and he, he brings it out in, in, in many ways, but the, the fulfillment of time, the fullness of time, it, it ends with Jesus, and the emphasis is there. Uh, we, as Gentiles, often don't think a lot about God's plan of salvation through the Christ, or what it me- meant for the Jewish people that the Christ would come. We tend to make our salvation very individualistic, and of course, it's right to do that. Man, God saved me from my sins? Praise God! Praise God for that. He rescued me. Awesome. The inheritance that he's going to give me through Jesus, I can't believe it. A sinner like me, saved by grace, given, brought into the family of God, an heir of the king, an heir of the Lord forever. Wow, being in his family forever, in his kingdom, it's individually awesome. But the Jewish people looked at things from a different perspective, more holistically. Okay, a a bigger picture in mind, and our salvation is tied into a bigger picture the coming of the kingdom of God and, and the coming of the reign of the king. And, and, and man, it's, it's, there's so much depth here. But you got to understand that this is this genealogy. He's preaching to his people saying, hey, this is the right line. This is the right man. This is who we've been hoping for. This is the Christ. And his name is Jesus. Uh, and it's, I, again, there's, there's just a whole Old Testament that, that leads to this point. Uh, uh, preposition to lead to this point, uh, uh, foreshadowing to this point, and we, we can look at some of these things. If you look at the book of of Second uh, Samuel chapter seven, Second Samuel chapter seven, uh, a huge promise for the Jewish people. This would carry them through the dark years of exile, the dark years of the, of, of being away from their home, the tragedy of losing the temple, the tragedy uh, of being overthrown by foreigners. Uh, their, their future salvation tied to the 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. Um, uh, verse 11, it says, "...from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you..." He's talking to David here. "...I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house." So David wanted to build a temple for, for God, and, and God says, hey, hold on, send Nathan the prophet, I'm gonna build you a house. What? What do you mean a house? When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise you, your offspring after you. You shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, we start talking in these things, it really goes beyond our individual salvation. There's a salvation coming upon the earth, a salvation coming to the world that is forever. A coming kingdom of God. And and way back when, uh, you know, a thousand years before Jesus was born, God was making these promises to David. Look at verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Uh, What... What is that? So we see in history as we go through the chronology of the Bible, the, the, the history of the Jewish people, man with his son Solomon, when Solomon came to the throne and Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived as he got old, he made a lot of foolish mistakes. And some of his mistakes led to the division of the kingdom into Judah and Israel, uh, southern and northern kingdom, and th- then the eventual uh, deportation, the loss of the kingdom, et cetera, et cetera, the second part of the genealogy. But the, the great promise is I'm going to bring about a day when, uh, man, the kingdom will be forever. And it's not going to be this light, chintzy thing, this, this, this mediocre thing. It's going to be this worldwide, humanity wide. Kingdom. I mean, the Jewish people were looking for something much grander than we look forward to sometimes. The salvation that God brings is is incredible, and, and we, catch this in, in, in certain, uh, we catch this in certain we catch uh, this in certain texts in the Old Testament that uh, are are uh, sometimes at Christmas they come out at other times. But if you look at Isaiah chapter nine, Isaiah chapter nine, uh, they they come into context, but we often pull them out of context. But in the context of Isaiah, what, what's happening in Isaiah? Uh, Isaiah is announcing that God is going to take his people out of, out of Jerusalem, out of Judea, out of, uh, out of the northern kingdom because of their sins. But at the same breath, he's saying, one day I'm going to bring you back. One day I'm going to establish this kingdom, this, this, this reign. And so even though I'm going to discipline you and judge you so much of Isaiah is about the, dealing with their wickedness and their sin, uh, disciplining them in love, but he's promising a future and a hope, a kingdom of God. If you look at chapter 9, verse 6 of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. That's, that's a noun, it's not an, an adverb. Wonderful, he's called Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a, a litany of titles. What a litany of, of powerful, majestic titles for this child. And then verse 7, of the increase of his government and of, of peace, there will be no end. Now, now uh, you can imagine as, as Israel was sent away, as they saw some of their families slaughtered by the Babylonians, as they saw their temple destroyed, and all their history, and all, the, all their great... Uh, uh, traditions kind of cast aside, and they go to be slaves in Babylon. They're holding out hope that one day a child will come, one day a king will come, a son of David, who will reestablish their nation, reestablish the government, reestablish the world. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, that's not a small goal. That's not a a short-term goal. That's an eternal thing that's happening. The the prophecies like this are are so many, not not as precise as this one or or tight as this one about the child, but Mm -hmm. but they go on and on through Isaiah and Jeremiah and other of the prophets. There will be no man on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of Hosts, the God of the angel armies, will establish this. Wow, what a, what a promise! This government of peace—it uh, it comes through the throne of David. In other words, this this written after uh, you know this is uh, 400 years after David's time, or something like that, uh, give or take 50 years. Uh, it, it's it's like this continuing a promise that God made to David, the covenant that God made to David, it's going to be fulfilled. And when this son of, of David comes, there's going to be a day when, man, he's going to turn this world back to a place of peace and order and harmony. All, all the wicked will be dealt with, all the evil in, in, in the context of Isaiah's writings. Salvation is what they're talking about. Salvation, uh, oftentimes in the, in the Psalms and sometimes in the prophet, has to do with physical things. Deliverance from disease, deliverance from, from sickness, deliverance from enemies, deliverance from death. Oftentimes in the New Testament, we talk about salvation in spiritual terms that will eventually turn into physical terms, right? But, but the, the Old Testament, so many times, they're so tangible and concrete. This world is going to be changed. Salvation is, is coming through a government, as it were, coming through a king, coming through the Lord's will. It's going to be a great place to live. The kingdom of God is what we're talking about. Salvation, our salvation isn't that we're just saved, forgiveness of sins, even as Gentiles that that we're just made right with God, and then we go into some, some ether and float in the clouds. No, our hope is tied not just to forgiveness of sins, but our hope is tied to an earthly kingdom state, a glorious reign of God upon the earth. Uh, And this prophecy is just incredible getting to that. And if you look at chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 1, uh, sometimes we look at these as kind of of fantasy or we look at these as kind of like, I don't know, um, poetry and and there's not any any meat to it or something like that. But uh, the Jewish people took some of these things literally uh, and even if there is poetic terms here, uh, it's pointing to something great, a, a wonderful salvation. Verse, Chapter 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Oh, well, that's quite a graphic scene. Uh, again, in Isaiah, when God cuts off Israel, when he knocks over the tree of Israel, when he kills him, one day there's going to be a shoot that comes forth from the stump, and his name is Jesus Christ. A branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon them, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge with what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. He's not this limited judge. But with righteousness shall judge the poor. And see, he's, he's, this prophecy is coming to people who are poor, who are, slave, who are going to be slaves. And so it's calling about that this king's going to come. He's going to be perfectly just and just perfectly righteous. Decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. He's going to be this perfect judge that brings perfect righteousness and perfect peace, perfect justice. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And then we get into this picture of perfect peace. What does it look like? What, what can we imagine it being? Predators lying down with prey. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. The little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young lamb shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Uh, physio- physiology terms, you know, like, what does that look like? Uh, Predator teeth, eating straw, I don't know. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den, the snake's den. They shall not hurt or destroy at all on my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord, and the waters cover the sea. What a picture, what an imagery of peace. No more war, no, no more destruction, no more ruin. The, the former predators, Babylon, uh, become like, like these, these kind and, and gentle neighbors. Right? The, the destroyers become the people that are dwelling in the kingdom of God, as it were. What, what a, a magnificent picture. In that day, verse 10, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. On, on his mountain, on, on the, kingdom, the kingdom of God when it comes, it's going to be glorious, it's going to be safe, it's going to be prosperous, it's going to be whole. It's going to be shalom. It's going to be everything that God promised, everything that God wanted to bring about into the world. And it's coming through the son of David, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When he comes, when he shows up, he's going to bring about a new world. A kingdom of righteousness and holiness and justice. A kingdom with no lack. And so we, uh, we, we, we read this, this uh, genealogy with, uh, with uh, an understanding that Matthew's making a claim. This Jesus is the Christ. This Jesus is the one that the whole Old Testament predicted and prophesied and looked forward to that he's going to bring about the reign of God upon the earth. You see, when they talked about, by the time of, of Matthew's day, The Jewish people, as they talked about the kingdom of God, it was the eschatological, the end-time hope that they had. Like when one day, one day when the Christ comes, it means the end of the world in a positive sense. It means a restoration of the world, a redemption of the world, a salvation of the world, a deliverance of the world. When the Christ comes, it's the beginning of a new age. It's a new world. It's the new Genesis. And so Matthew, in his genealogy, in chapter 1, verse 1, the genealogy, it's it's, it's a play on the word Genesis. And and, and, In verse 17, the generations, uh, he's playing with this, this Genesis idea. And if you look at verse 18, he goes farther. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, he married her, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. One of the big uh, deals for, for, for Matthew to prove to people that he's preaching to, he's preaching to his fellow Jewish people. You've got to have faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Turn to him, put your hope into him, start following him. Uh, he, to, to convince them to do that, he has to say that Jesus is the right lineage, the right line, and, and here he, he really wants to establish the fact that Jesus is in the legal line of Judah. Okay? The, the, the genealogy, we, we didn't look at it last week in Luke, it's really the genealogical line, the, the, the linear line of Jesus through Mary, who is also uh, related to the tribe of Judah. But this is establishing Jesus' legal line, and he has to go to a great extent because there's rumors going about there's there's ideas going about in the culture of the day that that jesus uh maybe there was a scandal involved and these Christians are building their whole faith upon the scandal that Jesus was a product of adultery or Jesus was a product of this or that and so uh, so Matthew has to set things straight up up in verse uh of, of verse 16, when he says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, it, it left a big question. Like, why wasn't Jesus, the, you know, Joseph, the father of Jesus? Why is he just the husband of Mary to whom Jesus was born? So he goes, he has to explain things. How God brought about Jesus' origins or Jesus' Jesus's Genesis. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. The origins of Jesus, the Genesis of Jesus and there, there's a play there that I'll come back to in a moment. Uh, the, 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 this, the idea of a scandal came about quite early. You know, there, there's always people trying to write off the Christian story, always people trying to write off who Jesus was, always trying to, to make, well, that's not the way to happen, blah, blah, blah. So, so so Matthew says, hey, let me tell you what happened. You're right, it looked ugly for a while. <laughs> it looked like there was a mess. It looked like there was a scandal. Because they were betrothed, This 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 gal from... You know, from the boondocks of Nazareth, uh, she, she's, she's a nobody, she's, she's just this young girl. Uh, she's betrothed. In, in betrothal in, in those days, it was an engagement, but it was considered a marriage. So if you wanted to get, you know, end the relationship after you're betrothed, you really have to get legally divorced. That's how intense it was. Uh, so so uh, Matthew's saying, you know what, she, she did come back uh, to the village. You know, there, there was this journey to see her, her relative Elizabeth, that's talked about in Luke. Um, and, and there was a point where it just was obvious that she was pregnant. And uh, it was scandalous. You can imagine maybe maybe you've been in relationships where people have cheated on you. Maybe you were and maybe you've been in relationships where someone made you a promise and they broke their vow. And it hurts. That's what Jesus, that's what Joseph is perceiving. That's what Joseph is understanding. As he's thinking about things, as he's processing things, he knew he wasn't the father. And so Mary had this story that an angel came and said that God would make a baby in her womb. Yeah, right. Whatever. Heard some whoppers in my time, but that's incredible that you'd lie to me that way. And so in his mind, he's thinking, obviously, she cheated on me when she went away, or she cheated on me from someone from this village, and I don't know who it is. And he's hurt, and he's probably angry, and yet the scripture talks about him as being a just man or a righteous man. He was known in his village as somebody, a a, a righteous man, a, a, a just man, a holy man, in other words. And so he wants to keep that reputation, he wants to keep that reputation, and he does so in such a way that uh, he wants to let everybody know that he is above reproach. I didn't make her pregnant. It w- wasn't me, and so that's why we're getting a divorce. Don't, don't look at me because I, I want to keep my reputation among the villagers. And so, but, but he does so in such a way that he doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace. In other words, he doesn't want her to be ridiculed and scorned more than she already will be. He could have called the village elders to the gates of of the town and said, here's this adulteress, what are you going to do with her? But he decided to go the private route, and you could have a private divorce with two witnesses. And he decides he's going to do that. That's when the angel comes. And that's where some of these things, these, these prophecies and some of these things get really interesting and fascinating and exciting, because God is at work. Uh, he has a, a dream, and an angel comes to him in a dream. And uh, hey, son of David, Joseph, uh, you you got to understand that uh, there's there's bigger fish to fry here. There's bigger things happening. There's there's things that are in play that uh, I can't explain it all to you. But this baby, this is the plan of God. Um. The, the angel comes to Joseph and, and said, Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. From the Holy Spirit, conceived of the Holy Spirit. And last week in Luke, we talked about the angel of God, or, or the Holy Spirit hovering over, over Mary. Like, there, there's rumors even today that there was some kind of a sexual liaison between, the, in, in the pagan world and in, in the, the world that doesn't understand Christianity, they think that when we preach Jesus, the Son of God, we're saying that God had sexual relations with Mary or something like that. and It, it couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's a spirit. <laughs> no corporal body there. But the wonderful picture here, it says it in, in verse 18 and then again in, uh, in verse 20, I think. The uh, m- Remember back in Genesis 1, in Genesis 1 and 2, the beginning how the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. How when God's word went out, the Holy Spirit was the aid, agent of creation as it were, bringing forth order and structure out of nothing. And so Matthew wants us to see in the same way as the first Genesis, this is the new Genesis, the new creation. Do you have to understand Joseph that God, the Holy Spirit is come and he's brought forth a miracle. The preexistent, eternal, second person of the Trinity has been made human in her womb. And he'll be born human without ceasing to be God. We call it the incarnation. We don't know if the angel went to further uh, uh, discussions on this or he went deeper Matthew again, these compressed, these compressed accounts, but Joseph, this is of God. This is a fulfillment of what God has planned. It's the work of God that's going on in her life. This is the beginning of something great. You're going to call his name Jesus. and. and you know, by this time, I imagine those, those lost Jewish people who needed Jesus to be their savior, maybe, maybe they've, they've started reading the story, and maybe they're, they're waiting with bated breath here as, as Matthew gets his hooks into them and tells the, the story and, and the historical account. Um, you're going to call his name Jesus, um, the, the, the Greek form of Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua. Yahweh saves. Yahweh is salvation. Save Yahweh. His name is going to be Jesus because he's going to do what? He's going to save his people. And Matthew's telling the story again. The big picture is Joseph is in the line of Judah. He's a son of David. And so Joseph is called to adopt Jesus into his family so there'll be this legal line in addition to the lineal line through Mary. He's going to save His people, when I I read that previously, I was like, well, that's pretty narrow, the the Jewish people. you know. By the end of the book, of course, we get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus says, the resurrected, the, the reigning Jesus, the Lord who's given all authority in heaven and earth, he says to these people like Matthew, go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. In other words, the salvation is not just for the Jewish people, it's for all the nations including us. But here with Joseph, he, he's giving kind of an insider preaching uh, of, of the first emphasis is that this Jesus is the fulfillment of God's long-term plans to bring salvation to the world, but to the Jewish people. He's going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people. How is he going to save his people? He's going to save his people by bringing them back to God. Uh, there, there's, 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 this, there's this long history, right? When, after Israel went into exile, um, when they came back, remember they started to build another temple. Solomon's temple had been destroyed. They started building a second temple. But you can't find anywhere in the Old Testament where God came to that temple. Malachi even prophesied that one day the Lord himself is going to come to that new temple. But it never happened. For hundreds of years, it never happened. And for hundreds of years, even though they came home to Israel, they still remained in bondage. The the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Persians, always over Israel. Did they ever come to salvation? Man, you you start looking in the the Old Testament and all those prophecies. When I bring you back... Right? The lion will lay down with the lamb. When I bring you back, there's going to be this prosperity in my holy mountain, this, this peace. There's going to be this, this uh, great kingdom. You're going to be at the center of it. But for hundreds of years, they've never been at the center of it. Even to this day, when Matthew writes, depending on the date of his, of, you think where he wrote it, the, the Romans were still in control. How could they be saved if the Romans are still in control? Wow. So so what Matthew's saying to the, the Jewish people listening in is that you're still in bondage. You're still in exile, as it were, even though you're home. The Lord hasn't come back to his temple. He hasn't come back to be present with you. You haven't been yet saved as a nation brought into the place of the kingdom of God. The, the hope of, of, of David is not yet fulfilled. But listen, all this took place, this coming through Joseph, the, the, the baby in your womb, all this is taking place. Verse 22, has been spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name, his, name call his name Emmanuel. The promise of the kingdom of God is with, when, when God is with his people. The promise that is so full and so chock full in the Old Testament of, of rejoicing and salvation is when God is with his people finally. And so when this prophecy is, the angel saying, hey, Joseph, listen. Matthew saying, hey, Joseph, listen. This is the one who's going to bring you to your God and God to you. This is the one who's finally going to bring you home. This is the one who's finally going to bring about the salvation that was promised through David, the salvation that was promised through Abraham. Abraham in Genesis twenty-two eighteen 18 and other places. Through your descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. right? And, and this is the one because this is Emmanuel. This is Jesus, the one who will save his people, the Jewish people from their sins, from their exile. He's going to bring them to God. And how's that going to (laughs) happen? Well, Malachi's prophecy about God coming to his temple, his name is Jesus Christ. He brings, does he bring God's presence to his people? Or does God come to his people personally? Yes. Both. Matthew's preaching to his Jewish, his Jewish brothers and his Jewish sisters. He's saying, he's the one. He's the savior of the world. He's the savior of the Jewish people. He's the coming king. He's the one who's going to bring about the kingdom of God in our midst. Worship him. Trust in him. Follow him. And so in the, 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 Joseph is, is clear, clarified. And okay, I, I better marry this, this woman now. <laughs> I know who, who she is now. I, I know her place in history now. I know, more importantly, who her son is. And so yes, I will adopt him. I will call his name Jesus in, in the Jewish way of doing things. As you, you married someone, as you, you brought their kids into your family, you named them. You took on, they took on your lineage. So on, the, in the, on this plane down here, things are happening but on this big plane, up here, God's great plan is moving forward to save the Jewish people. Uh, we, we look at it when Jesus Christ comes back one day, when he establishes his kingdom, all the promises to the Jewish people are going to be fulfilled. All the salvation, all the, everything that he promised to them about the future is going to come about through Jesus Christ, the Christ. And so what, what this is part of this this genealogy and this this account of, of the origins, the genesis of Jesus, <laughs> he's the Christ, the Messiah King. He is Jesus, the Savior of the world. He is Emmanuel, he is God with us. And in Matthew saying, put your hope in him. Put your trust in him. Become his Follower, become his servant. And you'll be caught up in the great salvation of God. You'll be caught up into the coming kingdom of God. The beginning of the end is here. With Jesus Christ being born, the last days have arrived. And we are, of course, still waiting for Jesus' second coming. The second advent, the coming of the king. And when he comes again. Now begin the days of the King. Now begin the days of the kingdom of God upon the earth forever and ever and ever. Blessed are those who are part, who have a place in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Please, if you have small thoughts of Jesus or you've put them in the categories that are man-made, if you've limited him, expand your view of Jesus, expand your understanding of who he is in the world, and come under the reign of the king. Give him your life and serve him. Put your hope in him. That's Matthew's preaching. May it be in your life, both now and forevermore, that he is your Lord. Lord God Almighty, We thank you for your revelation. May you bless the reading of your word. May you bless the preaching of your word. May you have your way with us. May we be convinced. May we be committed. May we be followers of Jesus, both now and forevermore.